Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Every day is a school day. We always say this on the School Run podcast. It truly is. And to everyone that's supporting us week after week listening, and for anyone new listening this week, thank you so much for us, for your support. My daughter is 16 years old. She was 15 when we started the podcast, The School Run. We started in February 2023 and we've gone on to have thousands and thousands of listeners and supporters. Thank you so much. Honestly, it means the world. What started as our little thing, our time capsule of conversations as we travelled along in the car. And no, just a disclaimer, we're not travelling behind a wheel whilst we're having this conversation. We do do it in a safe space in a recording studio online. But we had great conversations and we've made them a time capsule onto a podcast. And now we invite amazing guests to join us on our school run journey, share their wisdom, their background, and hopefully help young people and adults alike to know that you don't have to have it all figured out at school. Or actually, even when you're in your 40s like me, I still don't think you've got it figured out. Um, So, you know, Every day is a school day. Every day is a chance to learn. And we hope that we bring you some insightful conversations and maybe a few debates for your own household along the way. All that we ask is that if you enjoy it, that you share this episode with somebody and go back and listen to some past ones. Olivia, Liv, how are you feeling about this episode? Well, like I said, when we started recording, I think this one's going to be like Dragon's Den. And I love Dragon's Den, so I'm happy. Why do you like Dragon's Den so much? I think I like... Growing up with the CEO that you are, the amazing one that you are, and we always watch it together, and, oh, I like it. I like the, I just like the drama that they bring. I won't bring any drama, but I'm just (laughs) excited. Okay. And obviously on Dragon's Den, they sometimes pitch, most often than not, it's a product, isn't it, that someone has created or invented, and then the dragons sort of talk about how they would, you know, make that a, a global business because they're interested in making money. Yeah. And I think as business owners, we all are interested in, in it's our but livelihood. I think, I think if you have a business and you're only motivated by money and not actually the passion for the product or the service or the reason behind it, then your business won't work. Ooh, I like that. And I think that brings us beautifully into introducing you to our guest today. We are joined by Laura Siago, Siego. I'm going to have to ask her how we pronounce her name. Siego. Siego. Laura Siego. And um, Laura is a mum of two teenage girls. Her eldest, Rosie, is about to turn 17 and her youngest, Anna, is 14. But when her eldest, Rosie, started secondary school, she had to walk to and from the school bus. They were living at the time in very rural countryside in Warwickshire. And their village had no streetlights and no pavement. Just have a think now, listeners, like where where you live, what the journey to, to and from school for young people is, you know, what is the lighting like? 
As the nights drew in, it soon became clear that walking in the road in her Navy school uniform was practically invisible to drivers. And so Laura felt very torn. Although they wanted her to have independence, they also didn't want her to get run over um, or anything happen at all. Obviously, we don't to our, to our young people. They tried to make her more visible with bike lights on the backpacks, torches, all sorts of things. But they couldn't find a light-up backpack that would look stylish in the daytime, but also had the required visibility features at night. It just didn't exist. So Laura, like the inventors we see on Dragon's Den, I suppose, um, began to produce her product, which is called Footlit. And that's where it was born. A lot of hard work, COVID in the middle, and they launched the first backpack with LED in 2022. So we are really privileged to be sat with an amazing, I'm going to call inventor of a product, um, Laura Sego. Thank you for joining us, Laura, and thank you for reaching out to be, be a guest on our School Run podcast. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted. That welcome. That sounds like amazing. I don't, I don't think of myself as an inventor at all. So, <laughs> I suppose we all just think of ourselves with the many hats that we wear: mums, you know, partners, daughters, sisters, um, and and running a business. But this footlet that you have developed and taken to market I mean there's a huge process which I'd love to dig into with you to help young people and and adults to to show the process someone has to go through to get something to market but it came from a real heart place didn't it the safety of your daughter tell us a little bit about that and how it started so when when Rosie was about to go into year seven she was it's a very small village not many children in the village and she was the only one who was really walking from one side of the village to the other. And like you said in your intro, it's such a tiny village. There just wasn't, there weren't any street lights and there wasn't any pavement. So she was walking in the middle of the road. And to start with, of course, in September time, you, you don't think anything of it. Because actually it's quite nice, isn't it? It's sunny. And I, I wanted her to have, you know, she was ready to walk on her own. And she needed that independence. But as soon as the clocks changed, I thought, this is a real, real problem. Because no matter how sensible she was, I know that accidents happen and people don't concentrate and people zip backwards and forwards. And, you know, there was a lot of people who were um, horse riders in the village, so a lot of stables. And, and with the best word in the world, people are dashing to do their horse first thing in the morning and thinking, oh, crikey, I've got to get home. I've got to get back to, you know, get into the office, get changed, etc. So there's a lot of, actually, quite a lot of traffic first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening and it was one of those things where I started to think I'm a bit worried about this in fact I'm really worried about this I don't quite know how to handle this do I say to her I'm really sorry I need to walk with you every day ah you know that wasn't really ideal for for someone who was you know going into year seven and wanting to start being independent and so, you know, like you said, we, we kind of went around the houses a bit. I thought, well, OK, perhaps she could wear a luminous coat. Now, Liv, I don't know if you can remember back to what it was like starting in year seven, particularly if you're the only child from your school who was going into that school. Would you have wanted to wear a luminous coat? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like social death, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that year seven who's got the bright pink coat or the bright yellow coat. So I was like, right, well, there's got to be some other options. I'm not doing that to the poor girl. So 
we had a look at kind of, you know, can I attach some lights to her? And actually that, that was a bit of a disaster because the bag didn't really have a proper attachment system and the lights got broken. And actually she didn't want to fiddle about with lights at the bus stop because, you know, she wanted to walk on her own, but she was also very aware that she was on her own and she just wanted to kind of get on with it. So that was really where the idea came out, that I, I wanted her to have independence. I wanted her to be able to do stuff on her own, but I also wanted her to be seen, so... Um, I think you know from from that idea and from making your child be safe to your for your peace of mind, but making them feel that they've got something I don't know that's cool and and in fit and fitting with being a year seven child is absolutely just phenomenal. How, did you just draw something on a piece of paper? What? How did it actually start? Well, so my I have to say my family. My husband, Richard, and my two girls have been utterly wonderful throughout this whole process because I have made them do some really stupid things. <laughs> so we did a bit of a Blue Peter-style mock-up. So I bought some something called EL Wire, which is a um, quite often used in... You may have seen some of it last night with Halloween, you know, that... that it's it's wire that you can pass their coven through and it glows in different colours. So often when you see these kind of fabulous costumes that people wear in the theatre or um, some of the kind of clothes that people wear to go out, um, you know, to clubs and things like that, that's got this EL wire in it. So there was EL wire as an option and then there were kind of LED lights. So I bought some strips of cheap LED D lights, some fairy lights, and I bought some EL wire, and I made a Blue Peter style mock-up with a bit of masking tape and whatnot. And then I put my poor husband in the road, in the dark, and went, right, walk up and down a bit for me. <laughs> Let me see what works. <laughs> and it became really apparent quite quickly that the EL wire wasn't going to cut it. And it also has a terrible um, kind of side effect when you when you pass the current through it it makes a really high-pitched whining noise and I was like no 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 that's just going to drive people oh gosh you can't have your daughter walking to the bus with a whining noise no we can't do that right so that's out okay led lights it is and then sort of spent quite a lot of time on google I don't know how I would have been able to do this without google actually because that was the window to be able to find somebody who could help me turn my Blue Peter masking tape mock-up into an actual product. So after a sort of a lot of investigation and going down a lot of kind of rabbit holes on the internet speaking to a lot of people, the I found a chap who's actually a Brit who was based out in China who thought he was a, a luggage specialist and never actually put the two kind of the lights and the luggage together but he helped me find a very small family-run factory out in China who was able to put it together to my specification which was absolutely fabulous so when you when you kind of draw out what you want he turned it into a technical drawing that they were then able to adapt but to backtrack a bit we we ran quite a few sessions with various friends and their children to find out what kids actually wanted from a school bag. Some of them were quite 
practical. Like, I want really deep water bottle pockets on either side so that when I tip my bag upside down or if I'm, you know, bending over, the water bottles aren't going to fall out. Also, it transpired that at the local boys' school, the, the game of choice for the older boys to the younger boys was as they walked past to whip their water bottles out of their pockets and not give them back. So that was a kind of insight into, okay, this is what they're actually going to be used for. Then there were sort of very sensible suggestions like, I want something to attach my key to so I don't lose my key. I'm really worried. I'm, um, this, this was actually from someone who was about to go into year seven. I'm really worried about get, getting this key. I know I'm going to have to let myself in. Where am I going to keep it? So that was something that, that we kind of added from his feedback. Some of the feedback was hilarious. So I... One of the lads, he was only five or six, so he was sort of joining in with his older siblings. And he said, I really like black and red. I really like black. I want it to be black and red, like this one here, which was green and blue. <laughs> and you think, oh, okay. And then I had one of the one of the lads who was, as we were talking, he sort of got quite downcast. And I think it suddenly dawned on him that I wasn't going to make him his own personal backpack. <laughs> I think he wanted his own one that was set up just for him and just for exactly what he wanted, sort of personalised one. So, so that was a bit kind of... I had to sort of pull him back together a bit. You know, don't cry about it. It's, it's fine. It'll be good, I promise. So, so that, that, was, that was quite good fun, getting the feedback of the kids involved. I think it's I think it's really interesting about listening to feedback and I think very few people do it. I think we're not very good maybe it's a, I don't know a nationwide thing about giving feedback and receiving feedback and actually when you're developing a product that feedback is so absolutely critical isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you're quite right because actually the, this is this product has kind of got two sets of people who the people who use it and the people who pay for it. So actually your mum and dad are very involved in your purchases when you're in, you know, starting off in year six, year seven. So it's trying to find something that the kids would like and would be happy to use that would also meet the parental requirement for them to be visible. So the kids said, we don't want to be luminous, which is why it's a grey colour. We don't want to stand out massively, but we can understand why we do need lights. So can we make sure that the lights don't show up too much during the daytime? So the lights are actually very discreet. The parents actually want lots of reflective panels and lots of lights all the time because you want to reduce the risk of your child having having an accident. So you're quite right. The more you listen, the, the more you kind of find out from people about what, what the pain point is and what problem that they've got that you need to be able to solve. And I, the other thing about taking feedback and being very defensive about it, sometimes I've realised you just have to say, do you know what, this product perhaps isn't for you. If you, I, can't, I can't make something that is going to make everybody happy, you've got to kind of take, okay... I think I've done the best job that I can do. This is where we're going to go. And it is hard because, you know, that's why I could never actually go on Dragon's Den because if they tore my baby apart, I'd be <laughs> absolutely gutted. Hi, everyone. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. 
We're just cutting in to say, if you're enjoying our podcast, please click the follow button on whichever platform you're listening on. And please leave us a review. We'd be so grateful for your support and feedback. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you are loving our school-run chats and debates, please consider buying us a virtual coffee. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode and it will also be in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the school run underscore official. And why not give it a follow while you're there so you can see all the updates and get sneak peeks at upcoming episodes. Thank you so much and happy listening. <laughs> but it is a really fitting product for, for Dragon's Den, actually. If, if you know, to get that kind of reach, I suppose that's why people go on there, don't they, For from a PR point of view, because those shows don't just air once, do they? They air constantly on other channels and it's everlasting and people always remember the products and services on, on Dragon's Den, particularly the ones that have had a tougher time yeah. in there or p- perhaps some success. Has it ever been a consideration to go and face the dragons? Not, not thus far, no. <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that was really interesting um and, and i know that you know ultimately i've, I've known people that have gone on and it, and it can either go very positively or very yeah. negatively but you do have this pr background yeah. I remember us chatting it on the phone yeah. actually so it's not the marketing side of this and and the pr side of it isn't alien to you at all what just just talk me through your or talk us through your background because I'm pretty sure at 16 years old you weren't sat in a classroom thinking I'm gonna have produced footwork what's the journey (laughs) into here do you know when you when you were talking earlier about saying you know when you when you go through school you know your your life isn't isn't a straight linear progression I've done all sorts of things so live if you ever have those moments where you think oh my word things are not quite going my way it does work out you know you do find a way through so I I I went to university and I did a classics degree so Latin and Greek and ancient history and from there I went into the really obvious career progression path of technology PR because that is obviously what you're going to do with a classics degree. So I sort of <laughs> it, doesn't match, it doesn't match, does it? At all? No. Classics degree Not is technical. Yeah, strange. So very, very quickly did I find myself doing um, sort of engineering PR, some really, really techie, techie stuff, which was to do with not just silicon chips, but the actual silicon wafers that the chips are made out of. So completely 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 different direction um, and I stayed in tech PR for quite a long time then I went to work at the Institution of Electrical Engineers which was obviously electrical engineering um, which was in London when I finished there I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and I got offered some temporary work from the benevolent fund of the institution which is a kind of benevolent fund has got a sort of terribly Victorian ring to it, but it's the kind of welfare arm that has been around for a very long time to support electrical engineers. So just to, I suppose to young people to explain that, I suppose a benevolent fund, do you even know what a benevolent fund is? You've no mm. idea. Do you know what the, you know, the Royal British Legion? You get poppies at this time of year. Yeah. So, you know, when you do get poppies at this time of year, so all the money from those poppies goes to supporting veterans 
and veterans families and sort of investing yeah. in projects to kind of help so people who have served in forces it was very similar but but for people who were engineers so, so so for example some of the people that they helped were um um widows of engineers who had found themselves on very hard times people who had um had suffered sort of disability and needed support perhaps you know to put wheelchair access into their house or put a lift into their house so it's a sort of um it, it's a very very positive force to help the people from that institution and actually quite a lot of the big institutions the engineering institutions the physics institutions they have these kind of backup well it's almost like a charity it's a charitable arm isn't it it's a charitable arm of the organization that helps you know fundraises and then helps people in need so it's the same within music and drama there's benevolent funds or yeah. uh, welfare funds that people can apply to perhaps they went through tough times through covid or they get terminally poorly and they can't teach piano anymore or you know and it, it's 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 doing good, isn't it, Laura? So you went in to work on the PR, the public relations, how you yeah, and the kind of marketing side of things, and then it kind of snowballed from there. So I started doing quite a lot of freelance work and set up my own freelance firm, which I'd never intended at all. It it sort of happened. And the more work I got, the more recommendations I got, the more work I got, the more recommendations I got. So it sort of, it went round and round. And as part of that, I then started working with my family's business. So my dad um, set up a surveying firm, and had, which has been around for many, many years. And he, he's now sort of retired from the, the firm, although he's still involved. And it's run by my brother, Tom, and his wife, Rebecca. And they do an absolutely fantastic job. So I did quite a lot of PR work for them then that snowballed into doing quite a lot of things that the fee earners couldn't do because because I couldn't earn fees for the business I kind of mopped up a lot of stuff so Rebecca looks after all the finance stuff and does a fantastic job my brother was in charge of the surveying side so anything that didn't fall within those two remits so I did a bit of HR I did a bit of document management sorting out because I was kind of the spare pair of hands who who was able to do that so so yeah so I kind of I've kind of done all sorts of things then we had a big restructure of the family business and it was a good time for me to kind of step back so I'm, I'm still involved but not as much as I was um and then the footlet idea came along and I thought I think this one's got a bit of legs and I've never done anything like this before I wonder if I can do it so that was really my starting point <laughs> Well, I think if people went to Instagram, I don't think they'd see that I wonder whether I could do it, but you can see an absolutely beautiful finished product that you are now selling and, you know, the, the doing the procurement of it and you, you've, you've taken that from an idea of safety for your child into a product that you can see, feel, touch and buy. I just I just wanted to say something about the, the marketing PR, which I find really interesting because um I, I mean maybe it's not the same I don't really know but at college I'm doing economics and we've just done like behavioral economics and which I think is kind of similar from what I'm hearing is very similar and I think it's really interesting is that when we were sat in that shop the other day and I was on uh, 
whatever I was on Google or something and it said that one of the people from Strictly was leaving and you were like live one of the people from Strictly is leaving and I looked up and I said no it's not he's leaving something else but they've just used the Strictly picture to make it look like he's leaving Strictly and I was like wow I bet loads of people have clicked on that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's that clever art of PR, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. that, that's it? That was the word I used to you, clickbait. Yeah. Absolutely. And Liv, and Liv looked at me and she said, what's clickbait? I said, well, within PR and marketing, you've got to attract people to read more or take action. And I was like, I felt like I wouldn't be able to do that because it felt like, not lying, but I was like, is it not a bit... Something that you like misleading people to make them do something. And I was like, I don't think I'd be very good at that. (laughs) That is is a really, really good point. I remember having a conversation very early on in my PR career where this lad turned around to me and he said, so basically you tell lies for a living. And I was like, no, I do not tell lies for a living. You know, and actually working in technology and engineering PR, of course we didn't. Nobody told lies, you know, it wasn't like that. You're trying to attract people to look at your product. You're trying to explain the benefits. You're that kind of link between the terribly technical people who are producing whatever it is and the consumer who's going to use it. So, you know, the consumer is interested in what problems they've got. The techie person is trying to solve the problems, but but in a very techie way, you know, well, you'll be able to click on this and then you'll be able to do that and then you'll be able to download this. Whereas actually what people want to know is, you know, this new system for managing my warehouse in one click I will be able to see exactly what inventory I have got how many items I've got you know so it was it was trying to translate really all the technical stuff into you know speak that that people can understand yeah so you're the you're the the... yeah there is a line isn't there where you know now especially in a lot of the consumer stuff and you 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 see you've got your head on the right way around because you immediately went hmm that doesn't sound right. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to check my source. And that I'm constantly banging on to my girls. Where did you find that out? Is it a credible source? Have they got a reason to say yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, question what you what you what's being put in front of you. I think certainly on yeah. social media for you know, and when you're googling, you need to know what you're reading. Where is that link? Who's created that link? Where's that? Where's the back? But it's so hard when you search it up, like, if you search up a question or something or trying to find out a piece of information and you look on Google and so many things come up, you're just thinking, which one do I know is actually right? Because there's just so much stuff. It's like, it's like when people always used to read Wikipedia and then people found out you can actually edit Wikipedia and is it actually true? And then, and then you're like, well, how do I know... Like, which one to look at? Because there's just so many. I know, it's interesting. But I do think Google is the intermediary on this. They they really care about getting the most accurate information to the end user. I think that's always been their goal, hasn't it? A bit like you, Laura, with your product, wanting safety for your child, that passion. I think with Google, they, they don't want misleading stuff there. So they work really hard to only put people on the first page or the second page. But, but you still do have to take action to make sure that that is yeah. a legitimate source. And you're quite, you know, you're right. It, it's really hard, isn't it? When you, you know, you want to look something up for school or whatever and you're thinking, well, how, how do I know? Is this actually a fact? Is it is it true? It is really difficult. You know, I'm so old that we just used to go to the library. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And we didn't have mobile phones and we didn't just have to, we had to look in an encyclopedia, which didn't yeah. really contain much information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so true. That's so true. Where? What's the age range of, of, of Footlit and your customers and parents? Where are you finding that sort of... Yeah, because I would think it would be quite... Do you like it? When I, sorry, when I'm just thinking back to when I was at high school and from year 7 to year 11, I remember actually picking my bag in year 7 and obviously it's like your first time that like, you want to look like cool and I didn't want to look like a nerd with like a really big bag so I like picked one and then and then when I got into year 11 and obviously I mean obviously maybe, maybe not the boys but us girls we all wanted handbags by year 10 and year 11 and 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 then I remembered my bag from year 7 and I was thinking why did I have that but then at the time it was like it looked cool and you want you think when you're first starting oh I'm going to have all these books and my bag needs to be really big and because I'm going to have all these folders and my pencil case and everything and then by the time you finish you realise you really didn't need like so much room but that's just the learning experience of, of going through high school I guess it is. I think you learn an awful lot as you go through, don't you? We've got quite a lot of people at the sort of the bottom end, so kind of year sixes, year sevens, who are just learning how to be independent on their own. And then actually we've got quite a lot of commuters using them, people who either ride their bikes to work or are having to walk to work, particularly in busy sort of urban environments you tend to think this is because of where we started it tends to I tend to think of it as a bit of a rural issue but actually when you start looking down into the stats 70% of the accidents happen in urban areas so and, and it's interesting isn't it because there's a lot of children that ride a bike to school yeah and, and often they don't have any lights on. They're in this dark black, dark navy, brown, green uniform. It's dark. As a, as a driver, you can't see them on those two wheels. So oh, this kind of... It is frightening. I saw a boy only the other day and I thought, I wanted to stop and wind my window down and say, please, I can't see you. And especially when everyone now seems to be all wearing black clothing like I don't know what it is this obsession with wearing all black but everyone and you just you just can't see them yeah, yeah. it's true and so those though you know, the people riding bikes I guess up until year 10 year 11 it would be a perfect backpack for them to have on if they didn't have lights on the bike as yeah. well yeah and you need to you know you need to have lights on your bike you need a red light on the back you need a white light on the front and actually it needs to be a bright light not a tiny one you know, you want to be seen. I know as a teenager, you want to sort of fade into the crowd a bit and you don't want to stand out, but you've got to put that beside it because you need to be seen. And as you say, drivers have a lot, you know, there, there, there is no way around it. Drivers have to watch out for more vulnerable road users, cyclists, pedestrians, horse riders, motorbikes. You know, that is the law. Mm. There is no excuse, but accidents happen, crashes yeah. happen, drivers do stupid things, and believe me, kids do stupid things. You know, I've watched my own children, and I have banged on and on and on about road safety. I have watched my own children get off the bus and walk straight across the road, and you think, oh, what, are you, what are you doing? Look, look, look. 
especially with electric cars, the advent of electric cars, they are so quiet and they can accelerate so quickly. I think that that is a real, real problem. Yeah, it's like your car, your car is, is silent. Like usually for me, when I'm crossing a road, obviously I'll look, but also you can tell by hearing if, especially if you, you're going round a, a, there's a bend and you're crossing just past the bend, you tend to use your, your ears to hear if a car is, if you can hear the engine of the car. Your car, I would not be able to tell if it was coming because it is sat, it is literally silent. Yeah, it's yeah. true and I hadn't even thought about that. So yeah. we've got to give our children the absolutely best chance to be to be recognised and, and seen and... You know, because yeah. there's, there's so many other factors within this. Yeah. What um, it, it's I just wish because this is obviously audio, so no one's gonna see as we're talking what the backpack looks like. Um, but obviously they can go to your Instagram. We're gonna share pictures when this episode comes out, so they can have a really good look. What what's the future for Footlit? Where do you want to take this? I mean, it started as your little thing I suppose like my business started as my little thing my little baby and has grown into a national um organization little voices teaching drama and singing to young people I absolutely love it I jump out of bed every morning I'm still still passionate about it and although I'm not in the teaching room delivering lessons every week put me in a teaching room and my goodness does my heart sing it does <laughs> and I get emotional about it and I'm, I'm passionate about helping our um our franchise owners, my partners within this that are growing the brand with me, um, at helping them to succeed. It's just a privilege. And it started from such a small little seed like yours did. Where are you now and where do you see it going? What's your aspirations? What what do you want to see for this? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to be able to grow it. I'd like to have more sizes of bags. I'd like to have more colours of bags. I'd like to expand the range. The more you speak to people, the more you start to realise what people need. So talking to someone who said, actually, the backpack's a bit big for me. I want a really small version, but I'm out walking my dog all the time. So I actually just want to put my, my dog bits in and I want my hat in, but I still want the lights. Actually, I'd quite like a light at the front. You know, so so there are lots of different options out there for things that, that we could do as we go forward. But, you know slowly slowly I'm not I'm not a massive rusher into things I have to think things through yeah absolutely and and I suppose it's costly you know there might be a young person out there thinking I would really really love to um you know to to produce something or develop something or invent something but this has got to be a costly process isn't it yes yeah yeah and it was quite it was daunting watching the um amount that was in my kind of savings ISA going down and down and down as as we got going um one of the the, the sort of particular costs that hit us although I had you know you you plan for these things you you know you make a spreadsheet you kind of work out the best that you can and you put some contingency in one of the big issues during COVID of course was that shipping shot up enormously and I hadn't really anticipated that. So that that was that was a big issue. And when you start off with you know designing a product and, and getting it shipped out to you, there are what you call minimum order quantities. So you can't just order 50 and just see how you get on. So you've got to kind of take that into account as well. And everything So what was your 
what 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 quantity was your very first order? I assume you went with the minimum to test 400. it, but yeah, four hundred. Um, and then if you wanted to go into different colours, you needed to the number for each colour would have been smaller. But obviously, if you've got three colours at three hundred, that's nine hundred. You know, so so that that combined with the shipping costs meant that it had to be a very small order to start with but you know you, you live and you learn and I, I i'm entirely kind of self-taught on this front because i didn't know how to use instagram before i started i had no idea about how you went about designing a product you know i've kind of asked people i've looked stuff up i've watched lots of youtube videos so if, if, if there's ever a point where you think you can't do it you can there's a way believe me you can, I promise you. And people, if you ask people for help, that was one thing that I learned that I had I had no idea. People are so helpful. I I rang one company in Lancashire. Oh, there we are. Director, yeah. <laughs> well, the managing director rang me back and he said, I don't think I can help you. And these are the reasons why I don't think I can help you. But... And he then proceeded to spend 20 minutes on the phone to me telling me what I needed to ask the suppliers in China if I dealt with China. This is what you need to ask. You need to look at this. You need to check this. Make sure that this is out. He didn't have to do that. You know, he he did that because he was a nice guy. You know, so if you if you want to do something, you find that you do know people. You ask your friends who then say, oh, well, I know someone who, whatever, and they will put you in touch. And people generally are very, very generous with their time and with their advice. So, you know, between that and the internet and YouTube, you can work most things Sorry, I was just going to say something on that about how, Joe, sometimes I think maybe people don't share but maybe if it's like a competitive business or competitive whatever it could be in sport anything in school some people maybe don't want to share the knowledge because you know they want to be better or you know they don't want to give all the knowledge away but what I think is is like give your knowledge because let's at the end of the day unless you seriously only motivated by money and therefore you won't give away your knowledge because you know you want to be in the best but I think sharing knowledge because at the end of the day we all just want to make the world a better safer place and by sharing what you know and and in any aspect of of life like just tell people because it's going to help them in some way or another and just and just share share the love I, I, I do agree with that and I do think you're right Laura I think a lot of people um, are very happy to talk, share, point you in the right direction. The point is, we have to be brave enough to ask. Yeah. You have to be brave enough to pick up the phone. You have to be brave enough to take that first action because they're not there thinking, oh, Laura down in Warwickshire, she, she really needs my advice today. You have to reach out and you have to be brave. It's not going to come to you on a plate. Yeah. And it's funny because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a brave person at all. But actually, when I look back at all the things that I've done, maybe that maybe that is a good piece of advice. Don't think about the long run. Just think about the next step ahead of you. Chunk it up into small bits. If you can make that one phone call, the next one won't be quite so hard. 
you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm brave, but but maybe I am. Well, you well, you yeah. absolutely are, and I do think that, you know, I've always had mentors in my my business journey, which I am, you know. I can't thank them enough and there's numerous ones of them that have been around me for a long time now and those mentors have always given very freely but their their sort of caveat was um pay it forward Jane what I do for you do for others and so I'm very much of that that opinion I think probably Liv sees me doing it a lot on the phone to to people just starting out on their franchise journey or just starting Which, out like, their, you don't their children's activities journey or whatever it is I want I'm happy to help mm. you share and pay it forward because it was done for me and I appreciated it and collaboration is always going to get you further than competition yeah, which is, I mean, I was just going to say, which, like, you don't have to do that. Like, you have your own business to run. Like, you've got enough going on. Like, you don't have to spend an hour on the phone with someone helping them with their business, but you do it, like, out of the kindness of your heart. And I think I think everyone should do it. Yeah, it comes full circle. It does come full circle. In fact, an incident happened to me last night. Um, I was tagged in something. And it was some big thread and there was a big debate about franchising and ethical or not on fees and whether you should or not or set up on your own or whatever. And I get really angry about people's opinions on franchising because at the end of the day, franchisees are local business people in a local area running a local business, putting money back into a local community, serving local community children. Um, and yes, there are good and bad in every industry, but practically every shop or organisation you go to today or throughout your daily life will be part of a franchise or a licensed organisation. And But they're just independent business owners. It's just that they happen to have bought into a much bigger brand. And, and it makes me... Anyway, <laughs> long story short, this person had tagged me and it was another fellow franchisor who had tagged me to say... This is Jane. She runs Little Voices. She's ethical. She absolutely will guide you. And she didn't need to do that. She didn't need to tag me and write all of that about me. But that was, and I've helped her in the past, and it was just that full circle thing going on. And I think it does serve us really well as business owners. Yeah. And I think that's the joy of working for yourself, isn't it? And setting up your own business is you get to decide what type of person you are and what type of business you want to run. You know, if you if you're working for a large multinational organisation, you have to toe the line. That that's that's the deal. You know, and and if it's a cutthroat mm -hmm. business, you've you've got to survive in that. I decided I didn't want to do that. Um, and one of the joys of working on your own, particularly when I was freelance, was that I was able to say, I'm sorry, actually, I can't I can't work on that as as an idea. I would I would never have done anything to do with vapes, for example, you know, that you, you can decide what you do and you don't want to work on. Yeah. And you get to decide what type of person you want to be. And if you want to be a generous person with your time, within boundaries, that's what you do. Yeah, absolutely. What would you go back and tell that younger girl, that younger Laura who was taking classics or even before that her GCSEs or or what would you tell a younger person knowing now what you know? What would your piece of advice be to them? That's a really good question, isn't it? I think I would say, have have confidence in yourself. You are your biggest advocate. Don't wait for somebody else to recognise how brilliant you are. Put yourself forward for that promotion. Take the risk. Start the business. Even if it doesn't come off, you don't know what doors that's going to open. But don't wait for someone else to recognise how good you are. 
just get on and do it. Oh, what a great piece of advice. And I'd love you to send this episode when it goes live to that, that gentleman in Lancashire who helped you <laughs> and say, you know, we, you know, we're still talking about you now because obviously it's helped shape you getting that order in from China. You had no idea that that 20 minutes I have gone on to tell nearly everybody I've ever spoken to about this business about how kind he was because it to him it was just business, you know. He just had a phone yeah. call, that was it, you know. But that's that's an incredible, incredible thing, and it, and it's important that he knows that you've you're still recognising him. So I'd love that. But but deeper than that, has there been any mentors or teachers that have inspired you along the way, from school, in the workplace, in your business journey? Now, is there anyone that you that really stands as a sort of beacon for you? Yeah, I, I was really lucky. I loved school, and I had really really good teachers all the way through. And actually, my girls have had really good teachers all the way through so there isn't sort of anyone that I'd go oh you know Mr Jones he said this and that really got me thinking but I have had a couple of bosses um, who I've worked for that have have really made a big difference one of my very first bosses when I first started out in the PR agency was a chap called Peter and he just taught me an immense amount about how how to get the work done how to solve problems, how to deal with clients, how to deal with clients when things go wrong, how to front up to problems and, and you know, try and put them right, how to kind of resolve a situation that hasn't quite gone the right way, how to deal with your colleagues, how to deal with your colleagues when things go wrong. You know, he's just a really, really nice chap who taught me a huge huge amount and really encouraged me to to you know make the most of the talents that I'd got and he taught me how to have fun at the same time how to enjoy going to work and how to you know he, he that's that's really so nice. good I was actually only talking to Liv about PR agencies um a few weeks ago I was like I think you'd be you know maybe have a look at working within a PR agency it's about people it's about relationships it's about you know it's the whole how to win friends and influence people but in a really genuine authentic way so I know we've touched in this episode about Liv saying oh is it not just lies when you do it absolutely isn't it is about it's about people and relationships isn't it and and actually PR agencies work for some huge brands and, and build some massive relationships so it's interesting that we've had this episode together isn't it yeah Peter runs a um, big PR agency down in the south um, doing automotive PR for all the, you know, all, all the car brands that you've heard of. It's all, it's all people that, that you kind of go, oh, wow, yeah. So, wow, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Sounds like a great, great person. And, and lovely that he's got a little mention as, as, as an inspirational mentor yeah. for you. And then my dad, you know, my dad, working for my dad and with my brother has just been fab. Um, lots of people go, is that really weird working with your family? And I was like, well... No, actually, it isn't because, you know, my dad, when he's at work, he's Neil. And I, I call him Neil. Yeah. And in the same sentence, if I then talk about a home thing, I'll call him dad. So I'll say, Neil, Neil said this about this. Oh, and then, by the way, dad said, <laughs> and people find that really weird. But, you know, somehow I've been able to, to separate to, those to, things. To split them off. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And also, I guess it's, you know, working in your family business has given you the understanding of working in a in a bigger business then obviously from Footlit's point of view you know all the elements you've kind of got to consider and look at and you know it's just a really good sort of foundation isn't it that you've had that opportunity yeah. I think if, if, if you'd have gone off 
from the start, if, if it had been kind of, you know, Liv, if you were going off and deciding, okay, well, I've got this fabulous idea and I'm going to, I'm going to run with it as soon as I've finished my A-levels, you're going to, your, your learning curve is enormous at that point. I think if you've, if you've gone through a few different businesses and a few different kind of career setups, by the time, you know, I'd started Footlet, I'd got a pretty good idea of, you know, what I needed to do, what I needed to think about. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Um, We're going to come on to our final question of the podcast episode. I feel like we could touch on lots of subjects in this chat. Do you? Yeah. Um, And before we come on to our final question and your school run memory, because as everyone knows, my mum listens to this episode every week. We thought she would be our only listener, Laura, but we've gone on to gain, you know, around 7,000 listeners, which is amazing. Um, And she's one of them on a Monday morning, but she always says, don't forget to ask the question of the the guests, you know, their school and memory. Before we come on to that, I want to make sure that people can get hold of you, have a look at Footlit and look at the bag that that you've created and this amazing product to keep children safe and for them to have something cool to go to school with. Um, you're on Instagram, aren't you? And I'll obviously pop the yeah, yeah. social handles in the show notes for everybody. Um, have you got a website? Where can they purchase a, um, a bag? We have, yes. So we are footlit.co.uk. So it, it's got a slightly funny spelling. So F-U-T-L-I-I-T. So we sell through our own website, we're on Facebook as well, and I am just in the process of putting things on YouTube, because that's another thing that I decided that I needed to learn how to do. So. <laughs> well done, that's absolutely incredible. And, and you know, I think if someone... For me, I'm, we're always asking for reviews for our podcast. So we ask people to go to the podcast channel that they listen on, scroll down and there's sort of five star ratings and they can write some comments, whether they've been a guest or someone who's listened. And it means a lot to us to receive those words from somebody. And I'm sure you feel the same. I, I'm, I've seen lots of five star reviews yeah. for these bags as well. Yeah. Do you know, it makes my, it, it really, we are not a faceless business. It's me and my husband and my two girls. And it makes our hearts sing when we get a review because it, it, it's so personal to us. It really matters that our customers really like what we do and that they're happy with it. And if they're not, when we're not faceless, get in touch, have a word with us, pick the phone up, you know, send us an email. We're here. You know, we're on we're on the other end of the line. We're we're not some kind of enormous entity where you're going to be speaking to somebody from the other side of the world. You know, that's, I'm in Warwickshire. Yeah, sitting that, in my in my study. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing, and I know what you mean because we sometimes get people who will leave a review or they'll buy us a coffee. So we have a a, a buyacoffee.com forward slash the schoolroom podcast and. And people can buy us a coffee. And this morning I woke up and someone had bought us a coffee for this week, a coffee for this week's episode. And I was like, that's just so lovely because podcasts are free to listen to. You know, anyone can listen. You know, we do this out of the love of it, don't we? We have an amazing sponsor that helps us to bring these broadcasts out and have an editor on board. But it's certainly come from a, a place of passion like you. Um, and it means the world when someone takes that takes that opportunity. So if you do buy a bag and you love it, please leave Laura a, a review. And if you haven't left us a review, please leave us a review as well. We'd love one. <laughs> um, so let's come on then, Laura, to your school run memory. Is it one of your own or one with your children? It's one with my children. Now, this is not very erudite, I have to say. We did not have conversations about the big things in life because they were quite small. So when my, when my girls 
oh, I don't know, they must have been like reception in year two or maybe year one and year three. They were really diddy, you know, four and six or five and seven. They really liked minis and they really liked Fiat 500s. So we used to spot them on the way to school. It then got a slightly more elaborate in that there was an imaginary enormous net in the back of the car that one of them would wield. And if they saw a car that they really liked, they would scoop it up in this imaginary net. And then there was a special imaginary bag that they could put the car in, which would shrink it down to be tiny size. So <laughs> we used to drive along in the car. So I'd be driving, the two of them would be in the back. And then suddenly be this yelling, it's a pale blue one, it's a pale blue one, quick, get the net, get the net, grab it, grab it. <laughs> All entirely imaginary apart from the car. So the car would shoot past and there'd be these two very excited children looking in the imaginary bag and admiring the imaginary tiny car. But it, <laughs> it then got onto another layer. So you could then, with these imaginary cars, take them out of the bag and they would sort of expand and we would then be in the imaginary car driving. <laughs> <laughs> what amazing, amazing imaginations. <laughs> and even now, it, it it's one of those things that really makes me smile whenever I think about it because they were they were just so funny. These these two little girls deciding that they really no, I want to drive in the yellow one, the one that we caught yesterday. Well, no, I want the pale blue one that we caught on the way back from swimming. I want to. <laughs> <you know? laughs> that is one of the things I remember. The other one was stopping the car when we had only just moved into the rural area to to Fletno. Stopping the car and letting the pair of them stand with their heads sticking out of the sunroof of the car so that they could see the lambs in the field. Oh, <laughs> and these moments are absolutely priceless. They, they don't are. come back. The school runs go so quickly. Before you know it, you're having to get a footlit bag because they want to go to school on their own. Yeah. And you treasure every single yeah. moment. Treasure it yeah. because it, you don't get that back. You don't. And, and it happens so quick. I remember looking at the girls when they were tiny and thinking, oh, my word, this is such hard work. I have to do... I have to do everything. You can't even put your own shoes on, you know. It, and now, suddenly, tomorrow, the eldest is going to be 17. She's starting booking driving lessons. You know, where Where does the time go? You know, the time, is, the time has just gone. It, you're so right. What a lovely moment and memories to end the School One podcast on. Thank you for joining us, Laura. And as I say, all the details for this episode will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the School Run Podcast. We absolutely love doing the podcast. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you'd like to buy us a virtual coffee, we'd be really, really grateful. You just need to go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. You can also follow us on Instagram at the school run underscore official or TikTok with the same name at schoolrun underscore official and we always really appreciate your reviews and feedback on the platform that you're listening to you can review our podcast and give us a star rating we'd love to have your comments and receive your feedback thank you so much for being a massive support of our journey <laughs>